Hello there, this is Jim Martin with the Little Things First podcast. I'm here with Tracy Van Deventer, who you're going to hear from in just a minute. We're here to talk to Janice Bradley, uh, and this is all part of our Little Things First podcast, an educational podcast that looks at how the little things in education can make a big difference. Janice is a professor at the University of Utah. She is with the Utah Education Policy Center. She's got a couple books out, which I love, and uh, we're going to ask you some questions today, Janice. The first question, of course, is who exactly are you? We want to find out a little bit more about you before we delve into the projects that you're part of through UEPC and otherwise. Janice? Wow, thank you for asking that question. Um, I'd say I have been uh, an educator for a very, very long time. I have served in many roles and capacities. And um, I'm guided by this great passion to create um, equitable learning environments for human beings. So I started as a classroom teacher at Title I schools in Austin, Texas. Um, I then, you know, um, played the role of a uh, K-12 math specialist, a math coordinator in the district. Um, I directed a professional learning project for a National Science Foundation math project. So I could keep going on and on. I've had a lot of experiences in different places to um, learn. And, and so that's where I, I am today. Great. And what brought you to the Utah Education Policy Center, just briefly? Briefly, my colleague, Corey Groth, who is the associate director at the Utah Education Policy Center, the UEPC. Corey and I served together on a um, very large Department of Education uh, collaborative project in, in Austin. And that project uh, involved working in five states to research what does it take, uh, how do uh, districts and people work systemically to increase student achievement in reading and or math. So by working on that project together, um, that that's how I got here. Corey, one day, about three years ago, um, gave me a call and, and asked if I would be uh, would be willing to serve in the school um, uh, improvement work at the UEPC, and I said yes and walked through the door. Great. Well, we're, we're glad that she did that because now you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Much appreciation. I I love being here. Excellent. So one thing we'd like to know about is your two books. Can you tell us about those? Wow. Um, a little bit. Um, so do you have one in mind to start with? I can or yeah. just talk about both of them. The first called Designing Schools for Meaningful Professional Learning, a guidebook for educators, really looking at um, professional learning, how it's different from maybe traditional professional development in schools. Right. So um, I will talk about that book, just a, a little bit of background on both books. I write about the lived experience of educators. So um, my books are grounded in what actually happened and what I lived in uh, collaboration with other people. And so um, in the Designing Schools book, there were four schools in New Mexico. This work was done in New Mexico. And um, this work began when um, a principal asked why 
um, we have this new initiative coming up. Our uh, professional learning collaborative time has now been taken away from our schools. We're expected to do so much. I don't know how the teachers are going to, to um, learn and grow through this new evaluation process. So lots of new initiatives. And at that time, we pulled a group together and began to co-construct what it would be like to design her school in a way um, that would allow for teachers to grow with all the new initiatives. How could it be meaningful for the teachers so it's not overwhelming, ultimately, how can students benefit? So the work began um, with one principal, and then it spread to um, four other schools. And, and so that book is about how these schools used a five-part plan um, designing structures and systems to design their schools so teachers had equitable opportunities to learn that met their diverse learning styles. Wow, wow. That's, that is really powerful. As a principal, I know that sometimes we just get stuck in our routines and right. that professional learning falls to the side. So keeping right. it at the forefront, giving people options, that's, that's really powerful. Uh, mm -hmm. Your second book was Give Me Five. Tell us about the impetus for that book. Well, that book, again, is grounded in real work, and um, that I was a mathematics consultant in a rural district in uh, northern Texas, of four elementary schools. It was a Title I district. As a math consultant, um, my work was to uh, bring people together to unify our, our purpose, which was to uh, increase mathematics learning, growth, and achievement for every student. Um, we worked with the whole district, but, but this work was very focused at the elementary level amongst four elementary schools. And one of my roles as a math consultant at that time was not, not to create dependence upon me doing the work. My role was to um, plan for my exit. So along the way, we're looking at Okay, students are achieving, we're seeing growth, the professional learning is working, the implementation plans are working, um, yet I'm, I'm going to leave. I won't stay in a district more than four years. That's just too much. So we had to plan for sustainability. And the book is about the five structures that we used along the way mm -hmm. and, um, and how did they operate and how did they support the increased uh, professional learning for teachers how did these structures in action uh, result in increases in mathematics achievement for students? So in both cases, in both books, one set in Texas and one set in New Mexico, um, it's about real work and what, what educators did, how they came together to make an impact on students. Yeah, That's great. So you talk about five things in mm -hmm. both books. Right. Right. So five, five. Isn't that funny? Professional learning. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> five is a magic number, apparently. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. So will you talk about the five um, parts to the professional learning that you talk about in um, designing schools for meaningful professional learning? Just briefly. Right. I know it's a whole book worth of material, but can you just talk a little bit briefly about that and how it differs from what teachers are used to, which is professional development, you know, just going to a workshop or a training and then coming back and implementing some of it, but maybe not all of it. 
Right. Teachers are used to being told what to do. They, because of the hierarchical nature of the um, school organization, the teachers are at the bottom rung of the hierarchy, particularly elementary teachers, in terms of status and the unequal uh, voice opportunity and, and um, unequal power dynamics. And so teachers are being, they're used to being told what to do. So this five-part plan is something that everybody works on together. So for example, um, if you're designing your school with everybody having a voice, you want to uh, schedule a time where at the beginning of the year where teachers begin to reach consensus on what should be in every classroom every day. Um, and so they go through a process where they identify um, four to five things and then they vet it according to research. So how do you know <laughs> that these five things are the high leverage strategies and processes which could really result in student achievement? Um, so that, that's what they do. And, and when they find that the things they actually believe are supported by research and in every single case, every time I've done this with a school, what teachers believe is typically um, substantiated by research. So they, they identify the things that should be in every classroom every day. Then they, the question is, how are you going to learn how to implement these things effectively? So they're given a variety of, of learning designs to meet their learning style. And um, they're asked to sign up for these different designs so they could learn to do what it is that will make a difference for kids. Um, part three is they implement the learning design cycle twice during the year. It's very focused. It has um, protocols that go with it. Then part four is they're expected to share their professional knowledge with the whole staff at the end of the year. So if you've invested all this time and we've allocated the resources for you to learn, what, what knowledge can you um, produce and contribute and share with the rest of us so our school can begin to develop a professional knowledge base, which is part five, is to ensure that the learning uh, is not lost. Was that clear enough or what? Yeah, that's great. That's a great overview. And what, are, what is the reaction of some of the schools that you're working with now? I know you work with schools in Utah on this five-part structure. Mm -hmm. uh, what what have you seen coming about as a result of that? Well, the reflections from uh, principal and teachers who are using this, um, there's a couple of schools that are right now. Um, the reflections are positive, and that's what I found in doing the work in New Mexico, and it's, as it's replicated here in Utah, is that um, teachers feel that they have a voice in many things. They have a, a voice in how they respond to student learning needs. They have a voice in their own learning design. Um, there is accountability and responsibility as they share their knowledge, but it opens up a space for them to be creative. And um, at the couple of schools, we've got one coming up too, a couple of knowledge showcases. Um, I'm looking forward to those because <laughs> My experience is teachers invest their creative energy um, into sharing uh, what knowledge they have produced. So it's really an uplifting, um, very empowering place for teachers as we listen to, 
you know, they're, they're being perceived as knowledge producers rather than knowledge consumers. And it gives them a great voice and um, place to share. So, so I guess that would be a definition of the difference between um, professional development and professional learning. One involves um, knowledge consumption and one involves knowledge production. Am well, I understanding that correctly? Well, that's part of it. Yes. Uh, another dynamic is that professional development traditionally, um, the traditional paradigm is someone creates an eight to five event. It has a start time and an end time. Um, it could either be relevant, authentic to teachers practice or not. It could, it, it's typically one and done. Um, come here, the big speaker, but then nothing happens. And professional learning is guided by adult learning principles. How are the adults learning in this system? How are the human beings learning in this system? Um, professional learning creates a culture, which professional development does not. So if we think professional development is an event, somebody decides it for other people, it's not really related to what students or teachers need. Um, so it feels like a waste of time sometimes. Yeah. Um, where mm -hmm. the learning is a continuous, ongoing, cultural, culturally situated activity. Yeah. You know, Great. when you're talking about that, I feel that uh, we sometimes really lose teacher engagement in the yes. building because they feel like we're wasting time and the work isn't as meaningful. So what you've described to me I imagine would really increase the, the buy-in and the engagement on the teacher's part on trying to do important work. Every time this has been implemented, even if parts of this have been implemented, that's exactly the result, Tracy, yes. Yeah. 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 What, what would be a small step leaders and schools, principals or teachers could take to start this process of meaningful school design for professional learning? Well, I think the first thing is self-awareness uh, of the, the leaders, leaders' self-awareness of the difference between professional learning and professional development. That, that's first, is to have your own vision so you know what it is to lead. Um, there's a great um, five-minute video by Joellen Killian, who is a senior member of, of Learning Forward. And if you Google professional development versus professional learning and, and you watch that video by Joellen Killian, that's a, she does a really great example of setting that vision. So leaders understanding that shift within themselves first and then beginning to just change messaging. For example, instead of asking, what are you teaching? Um, we've asked, uh, leaders not to add, don't ask that of each other anymore or your staff ask what are students learning what are you learning today that's supporting students so you're switching the word teaching to the word learning as as a launch yeah very powerful and it just reminds you the work's never done right there isn't a start and stop time right there there isn't mm -hmm. so so why yeah, go ahead. Well, sorry, I just had one more question that I wanted to ask about that. So why is this important? Like why, why should schools care about moving from 
professional development to professional learning or creating um, a system that supports professional learning? Like, why is that? Should that be a priority? I would say because it impacts the culture. It impacts the day-to-day, everyday conversation. It, it impacts the interactions with people. So um, when people are, the focus is on every conversation, every interaction is about something we need to do to support our students. We need to support students learning. In order to do that, we've got to be learners ourselves. We've got to see things from different perspectives. We've got to move from our web of belief, which often people have blinders on with their webs of beliefs. And no matter what is put in front of them, they they are resistant to that because they're emotionally and psychologically threatened. (laughs) So when we open up spaces where it's just learning is how we do business and it permeates everything we do. It, it just changes the nature of the culture. That's why it's important to me. It's a living, breathing, organic way of being rather than an event that's done to us by others. Yes, and I, I do want to um, just mention Learning Forward because a lot of your work has been um, in conjunction with Learning Forward and informed mm-hmm. by that larger organization. Do you want to talk a little bit about that for people who might be interested in looking into that organization? Yeah, Learning Forward um, is formerly, formerly known as the um, National Staff Development Council, NSDC, NSDC. I can't talk this morning. And um, Next December in St. Louis, Missouri, um, Learning Forward will be celebrating its 50th year of existence. It's, wow. now, a, it's now a premier um, learning organization. It has um, three strategic priorities, uh, one of which is advocacy and policy. And right now, Learning Forward has a lobbyist and a voice in trying to protect um, Uh, education funds, particularly Title II funds at the national level right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have two um, conferences yearly. They have state affiliates. They're just an amazing um, place of of, uh, idea generation, um, advancement of community. I I stand on the shoulders of, of giants. They are amazing. That is so powerful. And as people explore that and they get kind of excited, they build up their self-awareness mm-hmm. and then they look at their building and they're like, oh, I want to do this. I, w- I want to try to move in this direction. Is there any other advice that you would give uh, an administrator on how they could at least begin walking down the path? I think um, changing the messaging. So first having your own awareness, then being conscious of the messaging, and then let the group lead the group. So by planning small conversations one at a time or one team at a time, it it advances slowly. And then um, getting a a group of your, um, what, not your resources, I hate that. What is the the word? Um, Speedboats. Your what? Speedboats. Oh, I like those. Okay, the speed. (laughs) 
Okay, I like that, Tracy. You you get the speedboats, the ones that are ready and eager. You get them out launching and trying some things, and then it's noticed by the others who are waiting, you know, to see what's going to happen. Uh -huh. uh, it, it really is a process. It takes about a year or two of slow, intentional, small changes, one conversation at a time, guided by a vision and strong messaging, and then let the group lead the group. That's and, wonderful. And those, I, I can, sorry, Tracy. Well, I was just thinking that those speedboats will take a leadership role maybe in helping that group lead the group. Is that what you've seen? Yes, and it's, it's subtle. And when you notice it, you just pull it out and go, isn't that wonderful? So nothing is ever the leader's idea. The yeah. leader is planting the seed so it bubbles up and allows the voices to come from uh, particularly the, the teaching staff. And then when you hear it, then you capitalize on it and ask people to, can we learn alongside you? Um, yeah. The messaging is really important. So it's not pitting one, um, you know, speedboat who's doing a great job on a pedestal because in elementary cultures, particularly, well, any school cultures, they don't like that. Yet working and learning arm in arm is yeah. really powerful. That's great. And I can really hear the passion that you have for this topic in your voice as you talk yeah. about it. So that's been yeah. really fun to just hear how enthusiastic you are. And I think that will really resonate with others, just how important it is to you and how important it can be to schools. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't get much of a chance to talk about your uh, second book, Give Me Five. So maybe we can invite you back for a future podcast and you can talk a little bit more about that. Would you be willing maybe? I would. It's a, you're giving me a gift to be able to talk about this important work. Um, so thank you. And I would be delighted and honored and would appreciate that opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank we you. really appreciate your time this morning, Janice. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank Any you so much. We'll talk to us? you soon. Okay. Have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye.